Okay, I think that's it. <laughs> Isn't technology wonderful? <laughs> okay, good morning everyone. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And a special welcome to those who may be listening to us on Zoom and on YouTube. You are also very welcome. Okay, where shall we begin? Is anyone here or at home or wherever you may be growing weary and losing heart because of our present circumstances? If you are, this message is for you. And if you're not, don't worry. This message is also for you. Because I've entitled my message, A Call to Persevere. Which is necessary for us all in these times. Very turbulent times. And as I was preparing, I was reminded of the verse from Proverbs 27.1. Which says... Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And that's very true, isn't it? We're living in very changeable times. Each day seems to bring a new problem, a new concern. What was acceptable today becomes not acceptable tomorrow. And it's, sometimes it's difficult to keep up with the things that are happening. But whatever the changes are, we are sure of one thing. Our God remains the same. Amen. Yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. So we can be confident that whatever the changes are, whatever our circumstances are, God is in control. He is the sovereign Lord. So we, we can trust in him. Amen. 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 <laughs> Okay, I'm going to, or we are going to, look at three verses from Hebrews 12. As I said, my message is called, A Caller to Persevere. And these three verses are a continuation of what's written in chapter 10, the latter part of chapter 10. And the book of Hebrews is very interesting. Because we don't know who the author is. We also we don't know who originally the letter was written to. But one thing, or two things we can be sure of. The message comes from God. And it's written for our benefit. So let's receive it today. And see what God has to say for us. Because God wants to encourage us in these times. He wants us to persevere. Let's begin. First one. I'll read the first three verses and then we'll go into them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned in its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose 
heart. That's the purpose of this message. To keep us from growing weary and losing heart. Let's start with the first one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. So who are these witnesses that we're surrounded by? Well, they're the witnesses that we find in chapter 11, the chapter before. And what are they witnesses of? They're witnesses of the faithfulness of God. Let's have a look at a few of them. Can't look at them all. First of all, Hebrews 11, 1, 2. Speaking of regarding these witnesses. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients, these witnesses, were commended for. They were commended for their faith. Faith in God and in the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 11.4 By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Verse 5 By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Hebrews 11.7 By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And then the scripture continues. It speaks of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and it continues. And then verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. All these things they did by faith. Faith in God and in the faithfulness of God. Despite their circumstances and their situation, they trusted in the God who is faithful. But notice this, their faith could only be realised in the faithfulness of God. You understand that, don't you? There's no point in having faith in something or someone who's not faithful. Faith is in vain. Yes? But we can have confidence and have faith in God because of his faithfulness. Their faith was and is validated by the God who is faithful. And that applies to us as well. We can have confidence in God and have faith in him because he is faithful. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Since God is faithful, we are also justified in placing our faith in him. He's utterly reliable. He will never let you down. He will never fail you. 
He will never disappoint you. This is the God that we serve. He is a faithful God. This is a call to persevere. Because our God is faithful. Let's continue. Verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Notice the writer does not say take off. To throw off suggests a violent action. You want to get rid of something. It's something that you make a determination about. It doesn't say slip off, slide off, throw it off. Everything that hinders, throw it off. And it says everything, not just some things. Every weight, every unnecessary burden. You know, sometimes as Christians, we can pick up things that don't really belong to us. We find ourselves doing things that God hasn't really called us to do. And it diverts our attention from doing what God has called us to do. So we have to be very careful that we're not picking up unnecessary burdens, unnecessary weights. Because they will prevent us from running the race that God has called us to run. Hinders means prevents. You understand that. It gets in the way of. It hinders me from running the race marked out for me. That God has set before me. It hinders me from living the life that God has chosen for me. So throw it off. It's unnecessary. It's a burden. And everything includes things that are not wrong in themselves. I'm not, we're not talking about sin at this moment. There are things that we need to get rid of and they're not wrong in themselves. Because they divert our attention from running the race that God has set before us. Living the life that God has marked out for us. And I just want to give an example of this so you understand what I mean. It may sound strange that we ought to throw off things that may be good in themselves. Let's look at Matthew 15. Just for a quick example from the life of our Lord. It's to do with the Canaanite woman. You know the story. Verses 21 through to 28. I won't read them. You may be familiar with the story. If not, I'll just pick out the important parts regarding what we're saying today. The Canaanite woman came to Jesus to request healing for her daughter. And in verse 22 she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. But look at Jesus' response in verse 24. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I've got a particular priority. The Father has sent me for a particular purpose. He's marked out a particular race for me to run, a particular life for me to live. But he was gracious. He healed the Canaanite woman's daughter. But he was making a point. Jesus' ministry was to the people of Israel. 
His ministry was predominantly in Galilee and Judea. So he had a particular course, a particular race to run. And he was not going to be diverted from that. So it's important for us to understand that. God has a particular race for each of us to run. And we have to be careful that we don't allow things to divert us from that race. Is that making sense? Let's go back to Hebrews 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. All sin is to be avoided, we know that. But there are some sins that we are more susceptible to, aren't there? And we have to be careful and mindful that we don't allow those sins to entangle us. You know what entangle means, don't you? It surrounds us and it binds us. And because of those sins, we're prevented from running the race that is marked out for us. Think of sin as a burden. Sin is something that holds me back, that keeps me down, from, prevents me from running the race that God has marked out for me. If for no other reason, get rid of it. It will prevent you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. If for no, for no other reason. We must be aware of all sin, but there are some sins that we are more prone to. And the writer says, throw them off. Because if we allow sin to entangle us, to restrict our movement, we will have great difficulty in running the race that God has marked out for us. This is a call to persevere. Let us run with perseverance the mark, the race marked out for us. Hebrews 12.1 So what is perseverance? What does the writer mean? Perseverance is the ability to keep going in difficult circumstances and despite opposition. The determination to not give up when the going gets tough. There's a saying, isn't there? When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Well, as Christians, when the going gets tough, let's get going. Let's continue to persevere on this race that God has marked out for us. And why is perseverance necessary? Well, two things I thought of. Internal resistance and external opposition. And this is how the writer puts it in Hebrews 10, 32 to 34. He says, I'm assuming it's a he. The writer says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. 
You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So these times are not times for shrinking back. They're times to keep going, to keep persevering. Is this encouraging you? I hope it is. Because God wants to encourage you to keep going in difficult times. The writer says we must run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So what is the race marked out for us? This is essential for each of us to know. We must know the race that God has marked out for us, the life that God has called us to live. Because after all, that is what the race is. The race marked out for us is the life that God has called us to live. And as Christians, we're all running in the same direction. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but each of us is running his or her own particular race and just give you an example of what I mean by that I took the example of the apostles Peter and Paul two leaders in the church two very prominent men but Peter had a different ministry a different race to run than Paul Peter was the leader of the church in Jerusalem and primarily his ministry was in and with the Jews that's where he stayed. He was a leader of the church in Jerusalem. Whereas Paul was an evangelist and missionary. His ministry was to the Gentiles. He travelled the Roman world with the gospel. So each of them had their own particular race to run. But it's important to know that they weren't competing against each other. In the race that we're running, we're not competing against each other. In fact, the races that we run complement each other. As I run my race, and as you run your race, it complements each other. And it fulfills God's purpose. So we're not in competition. That's good to know, isn't it? Amen. As Christians, we're not in competition with one another. So let's, each of us, run our race. And as we do that, we will encourage one another and fulfill God's purpose for and in our lives. So what is your particular race? What has God called you to be? And what has God called you to do? It's important that you know that. And whatever race, whatever life God has marked out for you, you must run that race and live that life with perseverance. So the writer encouraged us to keep going, not to give up. Because God is faithful, 
you can continue to trust in him. Throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles and continue to run the race that is marked out for you. Are you being encouraged to run? Are you limbering up? Are you shaking yourself? Because there's a race to be run. Let's go on to verse 2. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. So why should we? Why must we fix our eyes on Jesus? Because he is both the author, that is the beginner of our faith, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Our faith begins in him and is completed or perfected in him. Why should we? Why must we fix our eyes on Jesus? The scripture says, because for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. He endured the cross and everything that the cross demanded, because that was his race that he had to run. He bore the suffering patiently, because the Father had given him that particular race that he should run. He scorned, he disregarded its shame, the shame of the cross. The cross is, the cross was, a shameful way to die. Hanging naked as if he were a criminal. Hanging naked as if he were under God's curse. So why did he do this? Why did he put himself to an open shame? The scripture says, because of the joy that was set before him. And what is that joy that was set before him? The fulfilment of God's purpose, both in and for his life. That was the joy set before him. And Hebrews 2.10 describes what that joy is. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that is the Father's purpose for the Son, it was fitting that God the Father, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation, that is Jesus, perfect through suffering. Is that wonderful? Jesus, who is the author, the perfect of our faith, was made perfect through suffering. And for the joy set before him, the joy of bringing many sons and daughters to glory, he endured the cross. That kept him going. And the same as with him, so with us. As you embrace God's purpose for your life, as you set it before you, as the joy of your life, it will keep you going through difficult times, 
in difficult circumstances. Amen. I like when Pastor Paul says amen. It encourages me to keep going. That what I'm saying is true. This is coming from God. He wants to encourage you to keep going. To set his purpose before you. To set Jesus before you. To use him as your example. And to continue and to persevere. Because there is a reward for those who persist and persevere. Let's continue. Let's continue to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So why should we? Why must we fix our eyes on Jesus? Because after completing and fulfilling the will of the Father, he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is seated in glory and majesty, no more hanging shamefully on the cross. Because he completed the Father's will and purpose, he has been given the place of highest honour at the Father's right hand. So we must see him seated there with all glory, majesty, authority and power. Because that's his position now. Because he completed the Father's purpose, because he ran the race that was set before him, he's been exalted to the highest place at the Father's right hand. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Because he completed his race, he now is seated in the place of highest honour. Because he suffered death, for everyone, God has raised him up and given him the place of highest honour. And as for Jesus, so with us. As we complete our purpose, there is a place in heaven for us, for each one of us. And that's our ultimate goal, isn't it? As we run this race, as we live the life that God has for each of us, we know that there's a place in heaven reserved for each one of us. So let's continue to run that race. Let's continue to persevere. Let's come to verse 3. Hebrews 12, 3. Let's consider him, that is Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We must fix our eyes on Jesus and consider him. Consider means take regard of, give consideration to. And why must we consider him? Because of his endurance, because of his perseverance and because of that 
He's become our example. That's why we must fix our eyes on him and consider him. Because he is our example of how to run this race, how to live this life. Because of his endurance, because of his perseverance in the face of opposition from sinful men, he was able to fulfill the will of the Father. He was able to run the race set before him. He was able to live the life that the Father had prepared and ordained for him. Let's just quick look quickly at John 8. This gives an example of what the writer to the Hebrews is speaking of when he speaks about opposition of sinful men. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it's from 12 to 30. It's uh, in a form of a confrontation, in a sense. The Jewish leaders are challenging Jesus regarding his identity and who he is. They're denying his divinity. And Jesus is speaking to them regarding his Father. And in verse 27, we read, They did not understand that Jesus was telling them about his Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you, know, you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And I want you to notice two things about what Jesus says regarding his identity and his purpose, his running, his race. First of all, he says, I do nothing on my own, on my own authority. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. That's how he was able to run his race and complete his purpose. He says, I do only those things the Father has told me to do which I see the Father doing. Secondly, he says, for I always do what pleases him. That's the key. If you want to run your race successfully, if you want to complete your purpose, if you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life, this is two things that you must do. You must do nothing on your own authority. You must only do what the Father tells you to do. And you must always do those things that please him. And if you do those things, you'll be successful. You'll be able to run your race successfully. And this scripture speaks of the obedience, the endurance, and the perseverance of Jesus in the face of opposition from sinful men. And as with Jesus, so with us. We must also endure. We must also persevere. In difficult times, in difficult circumstances, in the face of any opposition, we must continue to persevere. So let's throw off everything.
that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's run with perseverance the race that God has marked out for us. Let's continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And let's continue to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. And if we do these things, we will not grow weary and we will not lose heart to the glory of God. Amen. Amen.